from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. Well, good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano here with Gina Noll. Gina, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Deacon Mike. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm so glad the snow has stopped. <laughs> this seems so early for as much snow as we've gotten. Yeah, it has. I remember one year uh, it started snowing early, and I think the snow drift by our house was up to my shoulders. Before and, November 1st? And, and I don't know if it was before November 1st, but it was it was before Christmas anyway, before Thanksgiving. And I, I forget what year it was, but it was really a bad year. It had that one big snow, and our house is the highest house in the in the neighborhood. So the wind whips around our house when it blows through. So we have big drifts a lot of times. So we can have a couple of inches of snow and I've got 2 foot di- uh, That's a lot of di- shoveling. Yeah. yeah. Well, I ha- I have a, a machine. That <laughs> oh. Well, we haven't had to get the snow blower out yet. So it hasn't been that bad, but no, it's it hasn't just been kind of no. s- Brings me down. I need more sunshine and nice fall tempered weather. Yeah, yeah. A fall is a good time. I I know my dog Buster likes this weather. He hangs around on the deck all day long and doesn't want to come in. And so we put his bed out there for him. Now, does he like the snow also? He does, but he's getting old now, so I don't know how he's going to do this year with it. But he's a 16-year-old dog, Mm -hmm. and uh, he sometimes has a little trouble getting up and moving around. But uh, he's he's, he's doing okay. We shoot him full of Cosequin in the morning, and (laughs) he seems to be able to get around fairly well. And and he puts up with Gilligan. You know, Gilligan wants to tease him a lot. Yeah, the cat. So uh, you pointed out an interesting Iowa story that yeah, and and we, and, and we should uh, send kudos out to Mark Nook, who's president of uh, University of Northern Iowa. Uh, the story is that uh, the pro, a pro life group, uh, Students for Life, tried to be recognized or applied to be recognized as a student group at the University of Northern Iowa. The student government that approves such things turned them down, and they turned them down on the basis that they were a hate crime or that they were foistering hate, uh, and it was a hate group. And, of course, um, there are news reports listed a lot of the things that the student senators said, which was you have to wonder where their heads were, but they were really talking about terrible things, that uh, this group is going to bring this onto the campus, bring hate on the, and disunity, all this other stuff. So uh, like a lot of uh, colleges, there is an appeal, and that appeal was to the student Supreme Court, which turned them down for the same reasons and just said it's a hate group and, and uh, you know, they're denying people, they want to deny people their rights and all this other stuff. So finally, the group appealed to the president of the university 
and the president of the university in a nine-page decision. Yes, with lots and lots of citations. With lots and lots of citations. And here's what he said at the conclusion. He said, based on the review of the documents and recordings, the NISG, that's the student uh, group, appears to have denied recognition to UNI Students for Life based on the content of the student organization's viewpoint, speech, and assumed political activities. This decision, if allowed to stand, would deny the student organization with access to university uh, facilities and university and NISG services due to the viewpoint of the student organization and would therefore violate school policy, Board of Regents policy, Iowa Code, and the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. Therefore, he approved them, and they are now a functioning, legitimate member of the uh, student organizations in uh, University of Northern Iowa, which uh, you have to give kudos to that that guy. Uh, he is the 11th president of UNI, and he's served in that position since 2017. And I'm sure there are going to be people after his job now, you know, the way things are today. But I thought that was a very uh, stand-up decision. It was, and it was the right decision. It was and the right decision. what scares decision. me even more is that the student council that rejected this group of young students who support life and the dignity of life mm-hmm. um, likened their club to uh, a group infringing basic human rights of health care mm-hmm. and that they compared them to white supremacists. And I thought, well, in reality, that seems more in reverse. A group that is involved in the dignity of life is very concerned about um, the health of the human and the and um, the non-discrimination against those that have no voice. One of the student senators said, um, not all opinions are equal. There are opinions and there are opinions that get people killed. He was referring to the group, uh, which is trying to save lives, by the way. Uh, exactly. But he says, there's really no middle ground here. And then Another said approving this bill to allow the pro-life club is the same thing as approving a white supremacist group that's trying to make an organization on campus. Um, Another said you're basically saying you support them to violate women's rights. I mean, you know, this. Well, that's an argument I've heard before. But but we've seen this in many other college campuses. Exactly. That was my going to be my point is that this particular case has so many. Um, angles to it. Right. I think someday we should take a look at it even closer because I'm I'm certain that a lot of this is exactly mirrored uh, right. at other campuses. And, and it's not ending here. But now, on the other hand, I want to take another step further. If you remember Jack Denton a couple of weeks ago from Florida State another University, student, yes. uh, he was stripped of his position as as uh, president of the student senate and the salary that went along and with the salary it. that went along with it because he made up uh, he defended. Catholic doctrine in a Catholic cha- chat room, and they students apparently there felt that was um, inappropriate, and so they removed him as president. He sued, if you recall, and uh, the judge uh, ordered the school to continue to pay him his salary, but didn't reinstate him. Well, just this week, the uh, student um, Supreme Court 
got together and they did reinstate him as president. And they said a senator who uses his influence in student government to silence the message of fellow students simply because of his disagreement with that message offends the very principle upon which our republic was founded. So there's some sense that's breaking out now. They did the right thing. They did the the right thing in the end. If you remember that that. that student Supreme Court didn't hear the case originally because they didn't have enough members and nobody wanted to take the job <laughs> then because of what was going on. But they reconstituted themselves and they they did the right thing. So Jack apparently has been made whole. Well, for all of those people supporting us and the uh, efforts of people of faith and for our guests and for our country, I have a prayer today. Good. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world, peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred, strengthen us in hope, and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And when we come back, we'll have Daniel Schmidt, Senior Litigation Counsel for Liberty Council, on the threat to churches reopening in California. Did you know there are millions of children that go hungry every day? Mary's Meals is a program with a simple idea, to provide one daily meal in a place of learning. To attract chronically poor children into the classroom as their ladder out of poverty instead of working in the fields or begging on the streets. The average worldwide cost to feed a child for a whole school year is just 1950. Mary's Meals is now feeding over 1 million children in Africa. Mary'sMealsUSA.org. Thank you to Skeffington's Formalware for your support of Mary's Meals. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. That's BlessmanInternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq-demoin.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by the Catholic Tuition Organization. Your support of CTO provides qualifying families tuition assistance to send their kiddos to our Catholic schools. They benefit and you benefit with 65% Iowa tax credits. Online at ctoiowa.org. Until December 15th, contributions from new donors are matched. New donors double their impact with a donation to CTO. Thanks to the Reichardt Family Foundation. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. When you're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, we've got a little technical difficulty right now bringing in our guests. Um, but uh, we got them? Okay. All right. We, uh, th- there are a uh, couple of issues out in California with uh, churches trying to reopen uh, in violation of the governor's edict out there. And, uh, and then there was one uh, uh, situation in the city of Chicago where there was, a, again, a, uh, an edict from the mayor there and the governor not to, uh, uh, for churches not to open up for uh, uh, worship. And so I think we now have Daniel Schmidt. Litigation Council. With, yeah, Litigation uh, Council, Council, Liberty Council, who's representing those Both, people. Right. The first one is the Pentecostal Church in California or in Chicago. We got them. Daniel, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Sorry about the technical uh, goof up here a little bit, but we got you. And uh, you uh, at Liberty Council are representing a couple of churches in in um, uh, California and uh, one in Chicago that are trying to reopen uh, in violation of orders of the, the governors out there. Uh, why don't we go to California first? You uh, have a couple of cases that you lost, I guess, at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and you're going back for a rehearing. Can you give us kind of the thumbnail version of those cases? Yes, well, what we're actually doing at the moment is we sought an injunction to prohibit the governor from enforcing his orders against Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministries, which has, I think, around 262 churches in California. The district court ruled against us, so we went to the Ninth Circuit to ask for what's called an injunction pending appeal, which we're appealing the district court's ruling, but we want them to enjoin the governor while we do so. Uh, the three-judge panel denied us, although we had one dissenting judge who said, uh, who agreed with us, that this is a blatantly unconstitutional restriction on religious exercise. And so, but the two others disagreed with him. So now we have asked the full court to rehear that, um, and they have asked for a response from the state, uh, asking why they should not do it. Okay, so right now, then I guess the churches in uh, California are closed. And my understanding is that they may not even allow outdoor worship. It depends on what county you're in. And some, the governor's orders have, they've basically set up a tiered system. And if you're in the most restrictive tier, which I think some 80% of the state is in, the you're not allowed to hold worship services at all. No gathering, no singing, no chanting, no anything. The, and then if you're in one of the lesser restrictive tiers, which allows you to meet, you still can't sing and chant because they say singing and gathering in large numbers is too risky with coronavirus. So if you have church, if you're fortunate enough to be in one of the counties that they're not restricting outright, uh, you're still severely restricted in what you can offer in the worship service. Now, what about indoor services? Those are, the indoor ones are what I'm talking about under the total prohibition. 
okay. in various counties, you cannot meet at all um, because they say it's simply too risky. I saw in a press release that um, they're allowing unlimited numbers of people in that church building, perhaps for um, like non-religious counseling, perhaps, but no worship services are to be held. How can you make that distinction under this kind of ruling? That's the interesting part of these orders. The um, And we've litigated this in, I think, six states now, maybe seven. In California, it's very interesting because they've set up this system where a church is not considered an essential activity, so they can't continue to operate. But if a church is providing food for the homeless or housing for the homeless or employment or social services counseling for people who need those services, they're able to do that in the same church building. With no restrictions with on the, the number same of people, people. With no restriction on numbers. So say, for instance, Harvest Rock Church has 400 people that needed a place to stay overnight, and they were housing them, and they're going to provide them a meal doing charitable and non-religious activities. That's perfectly permissible. If at any point they transition from providing them physical food to providing them spiritual food in the form of a sermon or communion or any other praise and worship, yes, it becomes a prohibited worship service, and the governor's orders kick in and you're subject to criminal penalties for simply praying and offering communion with the same 400 people, mind you, that five minutes ago you were perfectly permitted to have in your place of worship. So when the Ninth Circuit had uh, uh, two of the judges rule against you, on what grounds did they find that you that the churches should be prohibited from doing this activity, their actual religious what, services? What you're seeing these days, and in, in a lot of these cases, there's been a lot of them, um, what they say is because we're in an emergency, they, they've basically authorized this notion that the First Amendment has a pause button or that it stops in times of an emergency. There's an old case from 1905. It's called Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And there, mind you, it wasn't a First Amendment case, but they said, yeah, the government has broad leeway in times of crisis to restrict certain things or to limit your ability to engage in certain civil rights. Well, those cases weren't decided under the First Amendment. These are. You have the right to speak. You have the right to assemble. You have the right to exercise your religion freely under the First Amendment. And the constitutional development of that test was significantly expanded since that 1905 case. The Ninth Circuit and the other courts that have ruled against churches in these cases say, well, no, that that doesn't apply. Well, the First Amendment guarantees you this right, and if the Constitution or the government wants to restrict it, they have to abide by the limitations that the First Amendment places on them. It, regardless of whether there's a time of emergency or whether there's a perceived crisis with a disease, or and we can argue about there's right. reasonable differences as to whether this constitutes a pandemic or not, um, but that's a story for a different day. Right. When you try to restrict churches in their ability to exercise, you have to meet certain standards, and they're not meeting them in this case. Seems to me that kind of across the board, at least in certain states, uh, churches are being singled out uh, for punitive action by the states. I think that's 100% correct, and I think you have to look no further than what we've seen uh, over the last several months with protests. 
So if you have in California, for instance, in Hollywood and in L.A. and in uh, San Diego and various other places, they had hundreds of thousands of people gathering without limitation in the streets because the governor liked their message. If you have 500 in a church service, they say, well, whoa, that's too dangerous. We can't have religious worship services because you might spread the virus. Well, two minutes ago, you were out there making public things, saying, God bless you, keep doing it. You know, we support you to be out there expressing your message. That's picking and choosing winners under the first. So one First Amendment activity is perfectly permissible and encouraged. The religious aspect of First Amendment activity you prohibit. That's unknown to constitutional law, yet that's exactly what you're seeing these days. So where is this case headed now? You've lost at, or in the, in the um, injunction. Um, what happens next? Well, we're still, as I said, we're seeking the full court at the Ninth Circuit to review the case um, for the injunction pending appeal aspect of it. But we're also at the same time at the Ninth Circuit asking for a full review. It's a little bit higher standard to get what we call an injunction pending appeal, which is to say, well, we'll enjoin you while we look at the case. Right. And the second part of it is, well, they're still going to look at the case. We're going to file our briefs and uh, is there see a, what the Ninth Circuit says. Is there a date set for that particular hearing or decision? Uh, not yet. We're still in the – we have filed our brief. Um, the state, generally, the way the courts of appeals work, you get about 30 days to respond, and then after that, takes place, the court will set it for oral argument. Got it. Um, so I'm guessing towards the end of the year or beginning of early next year. That's a long time for people to go without um, being able to attend church services. It is, which is why many people have said, well, we're not going to abide by your restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of churches across the country have made the posi- taken the position, they're not constitutionally correct in my opinion, that you have no authority to shut down a church. Which is so a, a lot of pastors say, well, that's fine. We're, we're going to meet anyway. We answer to a higher authority than your unconstitutional COVID restrictions. Might the state be um, getting into the territory where damages may be assessed against it if they uh, are found to be in violation of uh, these uh, folks' religious freedom? It gets a little tricky with when you start talking about monetary damages. Um, for one, we have the 11th Amendment, which says, you, you can't sue the state for money. So what you do is you go and get injunctive relief against them. Um, what that permits you to do is to go in and say, okay, well, you're violating the Constitution. The court says you have to stop. Now, after that prevails, they're certainly on the hook for all the attorney's fees and the cost that it took to undertake that action. But technically, under our 11th Amendment, you can't sue the state for money. Now, there's a case in Chicago, um, and I'm trying to, uh, Elam Pentecostal Church, that I yes. I believe at one point was threatened um, with not only uh, uh, closing the church, but tearing it down. Yes, they were, there's a term in the law called summary abatement. It's used in nuisance cases where you're not keeping up with your building, it's becoming a blight, you know, it's dangerous for community, what, what have you. Some some places allow you to, the government to engage in what's called summary abatement, which is, well, we'll tear down the property, we'll, we'll get rid of the nuisance. 
Hmm. So for one, you, in order for that to apply, one, you have to consider a church service a nuisance, which Mayor Lightfoot and some of the other ones in Chicago have said, yes, Aleem and Logos, the other church we represent, you are being a nuisance because you're gathering to worship the Lord. They sent them a letter threatening to tear down their church if they didn't stop meeting. So that's the result of their defiance of these First Amendment violations. They continued to meet. Yes, they were. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I didn't no. Mean to interrupt. no, that's okay. They've continued to meet, and the, and the mayor said, uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to tear you down. We're going to take this extreme measure to get what we want. That's what they have threatened, yes. Now, we're continuing to litigate that case. As a matter of fact, a uh, week and a half ago, we filed our request for the United States Supreme Court to review that case to say, to look at it and say, you've got to be kidding me with all these restrictions. They're, the government has no authority to tell the church they can't meet. It doesn't matter whether there's a pandemic going on. It doesn't matter whether you like what they're saying and when they're saying it and how they're gathering or what they're doing in their gathering. The First Amendment removes that from government control. The church is the church. It is, it is, it is absolutely constitutionally protected. It existed before the Constitution. And nothing in that contract with America that we signed so many years ago said, government, yes, you were given this authority to restrict churches from meeting. We, we wholly excluded that from government authority. Exactly. It seems that across the country there is an attempt to use this pandemic as an excuse to uh, shut down religious services and shut down the church. And, um, of course, I suppose this is partially what people will be voting on next week. It is. That's certainly true. And I agree with you. I, I think this was, if for lack of a better term, I, I like to think of it, maybe it was a trial run to see how, how far they could push and how much the church would push back. That's Frankly, right. I don't think many churches did very well in the test. Um, but I think more and more are waking up to say, okay, well, at the very beginning, and, and I think a lot of churches were owed deference. They Nobody knew what was going on in March, and they were telling us, well, if everybody does their part, 14 days to slow the spread or whatever. My church said, okay, well, we're okay with that. We'll do our part. We're now six, seven months into this thing. I, I see a meme sometimes on the Internet that talks about, well, now we're 190-something days into 15 days to slow the spread. Yeah. At a certain point, you have to stop. You can't just perpetually keep in the enacting and imposing these restrictions on religious worship. I think that's where a lot of churches have started to wake up and say, we're not going to be silenced like this. And the, whether this is whether trying to silence us was about the election or just about a power and control or what, whatever the reason was, we're not going to be silenced. We're going to preach the Word of God as we are mandated to do by the Scripture. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that in these areas that have the most uh, restrictive uh, restraints against uh, churches, uh, hardware stores, um, big box stores, um, gambling casinos, uh, and in Colorado, uh, marijuana dispensaries are all allowed to open. Yes, there was a, I don't know if you saw, and maybe some of your listeners did, in Michigan, too, one of the most restrictive in the whole country. Their marijuana dispensaries were open, too, but you couldn't go to the hardware store to buy, like, plant seeds. And there were these people who said, okay, well, you can buy weed, but not seed. Mm -hmm. And you can go, in all these states, you can go to the liquor store, but you can't go to church. 
you can go engage in a mass protest and they'll celebrate you and put you on a pedestal. If you come to kneel with 50 of your church colleagues and pray to the Lord and engage in communion and worship the Lord and hear a sermon and do what the church does week in and week out, you're vilified and threatened to have your building shut down, threatened to have money damages claims brought against you. All these manner of things simply for engaging in activity that the First Amendment affords you the right to engage in. Well, that's why we have people like Liberty Council out there to protect us. Um, What is your uh, website and how do people find uh, more information uh, about Liberty Council? Uh, Maybe sign up for your um, news releases and uh, even perhaps putting a few dollars in your pocket. Absolutely. If you go to www.lc, that's Liberty Council, lc.org, you can follow us with all this stuff on the COVID restrictions and on all the other cases that we're engaged in to uh, protect people and their First Amendment rights to speak and to assemble and to engage in religious exercise. And uh, if you need help, though, there's options on there to ask us for help as well. So um, we'd certainly be happy to hear from you. And uh, we appreciate the opportunity to be on with you today. Good. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. We certainly appreciate it. We, uh, we thank you for what you and Liberty Council are doing and uh, hope that people take a look at that site. And if they have a few uh, spare dollars and change, maybe send them your way because we know what you do, you're doing pro bono for the people that you represent. Thank you very much. Daniel My pleasure. Thanks for having Smith, me. Senior Litigation Counsel for Liberty Council. And we will be back in a few minutes with uh, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Executive Director of EWTN News. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq-demoine.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by the Catholic Tuition Organization. Your support of CTO provides qualifying families tuition assistance to send their kiddos to our Catholic schools. They benefit and you benefit with 65% Iowa tax credits. Online at ctoiowa.org. Until December 15th, contributions from new donors are matched. New donors double their impact with a donation to CTO. Thanks to the Reichardt Family Foundation. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Dowling Catholic Sports is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic. With two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Craig Harper, the Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at 60th and Ashworth in West Des Moines. 515-440-4610 or online, ashworthvision.com. 
Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Sunny and cool and a little breezy through the afternoon. We'll hit about 40. Overnight, clear, chilly, and upper 20s. And then tomorrow, a little bit warmer with our high near 48. And we'll stay sunny. The weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy. Outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines Metro and Southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. With us right now is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who is executive editor of EWTN News. Dr. Bunsen, uh, good morning and welcome uh, to our program. Good morning. Very good to be with you. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. Um, you uh, were conducting some polls here, I see, along with Real Clear Politics on um, uh, Catholic attitudes for the uh, upcoming election. So let's go over some of those, if we can, since uh, we've only got a a little less than a week uh, to go before the um, uh, election occurs, or the, the final day of the election. I guess we're the, in an election. The final poll, we yeah, might call yeah, it. Yeah, the final poll. <laughs> right. We're in election season now. <laughs> so uh, why don't you, can you give us a, a, the highlights of what you have been finding about the Catholic vote? Yes, well, there are a couple things to note, and we've obviously been tracking this now for about a year. This is the fourth and final poll of the four that we've done uh, with Real Clear Opinion Research. It was a, a real joy to work with them on this, to sort of track where Catholics are, not just politically, but also uh, the impact of how they lead their fake lives has on their political decisions and political choices, but then also uh, where they stand on some of the key and most important issues of our time. And the fourth poll similar to the other three in that it found uh, sort of the snapshot of Joe Biden uh, leading Donald Trump uh, by about 12 percentage points among all Catholics. Now, that narrows significantly when we look at individual groups of Catholics. The biggest dividing line for Catholics uh, is those between those who go to Mass on a daily or weekly basis and those uh, who go to Mass on a much less regular basis. Those who attend Mass more regularly are much more disposed uh, to vote for Donald Trump. Those who go to Mass less frequently are much more disposed uh, to vote for Joe Biden. So that's sort of the big thing. The other thing that we found in this fourth poll was that among the Catholic vote, uh, things are much tighter in the key battleground states, places like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Florida. Uh, we found that uh, that number looks at about 48 to 44 percent Joe Biden in the lead. So clearly uh, things are much tighter in those key battleground states. So very different. I took a, You have a, a beautiful summary of all the four polls on the EWTNnews.com website, and I took a look at some of that. A lot has changed in, in less than 10 months when you first started the polling. Well, that's right. Uh, when we began the polling, uh, we were, this is at November of last year, we were looking at the, the a political race. We were looking at the 2020 campaign, uh, what Catholics were interested in, and then, of course, came the pandemic. And that, uh, as our poll has found, shifted significantly what are the highest priorities uh, for Catholic voters. Uh, for example, 
we found that the coronavirus uh, is uh, the number one concern, if not one of them, along with the economy and jobs, uh, as well as uh, health. None of that is a huge surprise, but that now overhangs uh, much of uh, the decision-making on the part of Catholics in terms of their priorities. Catholics, again, though, uh, remain concerned in overwhelming numbers about issues of religious liberty. They're concerned about the political divide. They're concerned also about the civil and political unrest that we have in the country. That is turning up consistently in this poll, and the fourth one was no exception. Real clear politics is um, kind of, uh, a well-established organization for doing polling, especially in these uh, presidential and election times. Uh, how different is the Catholic vote from just the overall national American vote? Well, we used to uh, always think of a Catholic vote. And uh, if you go back to 1960, uh, John F. Kennedy carried about 90% of the Catholic vote. I, I've always joked that I wonder who those 10% of Catholics who didn't vote for the, the, first, the, the, the first Catholic <laughs> president, John F. Kennedy, in that election. You go all the way back in 1928 with Al Smith, he was the first Catholic to be nominated by a major party. But the idea of a Catholic vote simply doesn't exist anymore because okay. there's a considerable fragmentation within the, the Catholic voting bloc, if you think of it that way. I mentioned we have the divide among practice of Mass, but we also see generational mm-hmm. divides, ethnic divides. Uh, and in that sense, many Catholic voters today are very similar uh, to every other American voter. Uh, we, When the, our poll came out, we found Joe Biden leading Donald Trump by about 10 to 12 points. That was, at that point, the national average uh, for everyone. So uh, the idea of a, a, a very clear Catholic voting bloc uh, simply doesn't exist anymore. Um, in your um, polling, have you determined what the effect is of First of all, Biden's Catholicism, if that's affecting Catholics one way or another, and then the um, uh, recent appointment and now the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett, uh, who is a devout Catholic, to the Supreme Court. Yes. Uh, what we found uh, in our poll, and this is before uh, the confirmation vote, uh, it was sort of in the, the, just the very start of the hearings, uh, was that uh, by about 20 percentage points, Catholics supported the nomination uh, and the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. What is interesting is that our poll, in a way, anticipated the broadening of her support by the public at large. Uh, and uh, Catholics, by solid majorities, also supported the idea that uh, you should not have any sort of religious tests for a nominee uh, to government and, and to the judiciary. Catholics, again, overwhelmingly supported by about 74%, the constitutional requirement that you cannot have a religious test. In other words, you can't uh, impose or limit someone from uh, government service or appointments to the judiciary, especially the highest court of the land, on the basis of religion. So the religious liberty question is one that we have found consistently throughout. Now, Joe Biden uh, obviously was uh, not in favor of Amy Coney Barrett's uh, nomination. Uh, And uh, we'll see if his opposition, if that impacted uh, Catholic votes. What I think it likely did uh, was to convince even further uh, the conservative Catholics or those who attend mass more regularly, those who are already disposed to vote for Donald Trump, 
to support him and to continue their support for Trump. Very interesting. So um, these surveys were very comprehensive, and I'm wondering what you, well beyond next Tuesday and the election, I think there's data in here that maybe we as dioceses and as the Catholic Church and and as um, uh, purveyors of uh, broadcast media um, can use in moving forward. How do you feel about some of that? What in there can help us better catechize or inform Catholics about their faith? Yeah, this is one of, for speaking personally, I think one of the most important aspects of our polling and this is true, again, with this fourth one, is tracking where Catholics stand uh, in their faith life. Uh, we ask questions, for example, how often do you pray? Do you set specific time aside to pray? How often do you pray the rosary? How often do you go to confession? Uh, do you believe uh, in the real presence? Uh, how often do you go to Mass? These are fundamental questions, certainly, but it gives us a very good idea of uh, Catholic practice. And what we found, uh, especially significant, I think, is that for those who attend Mass on a weekly or daily basis, uh, their belief in the real presence uh, goes into the 70-some percent range. Now, I still think that that's too sense. low, well, but when, and the same thing goes for the how often they go to confession. And if we look at that, uh, those who attend Mass uh, only regular, uh, only like once a year or even less, and still consider themselves Catholics, they tend to go to confession once a year at least only 3%. That is an astonishingly low number. We found overall that uh, Catholics, uh, by about 50%, believe in the real presence. Uh, some don't. Uh, and then we have uh, an even equally disturbing number of don't know. So this tells us uh, that we have our work cut out for us in terms of uh, catechizing and formation. Uh, and we've had several generations of Catholics who are not particularly well catechized. And a poll like this, I think, helps us to understand the dimensions of that uh, and how important it is for us to reach out to Catholics uh, to form them properly. And, and the role of faith in family life, the role of parishes, and the role of diocese working together to accomplish that. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work to do, for sure. <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, it's, it's certainly worth doing, and, it is. and we are called to do it. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. Amen. Did you do any correlations between those Catholics that uh, went to secular schools and those that went to parochial schools or, or Catholic colleges? Yeah, well, one of the things that uh, we really were curious about uh, was how many uh, Catholics were responding uh, went to a secular religious school. What we found is that about, uh, for undergraduate degrees, about 59% of the respondents uh, went to secular universities, 37% went to religious. Uh, and then of that, uh, 88% uh, who went to a religious-affiliated school, uh, it was a Catholic school. And that, I, I thought, was uh, revealing, because it gives us an idea of where Catholic families are are sending their children. I know that there's uh, always discussion these days, uh, given the, the crisis in some ways of, of Catholic identities in school, uh, whether or not to send your children to a, a Catholic school that perhaps is not going to form them in, in the way that a lot of parents would like, or do you send them to a secular university with a, a lot of Newman society and everything else uh, that can help really form them? 
So that, I think, tells us a little bit about where Catholics are. But, but you're right, about 60% of Catholics in our poll for their undergraduate studies uh, attended a secular university uh, with everything that that brings uh, in, in terms of uh, its impact on faith life. Um, so what are the plans for EWTN and this polling? Will you continue to collaborate with RCP into the future and test the waters? <laughs> well, I think uh, all of us are trying to survive the election uh, first, uh, and then uh, we'll reassess as to how best we can serve uh, our audience and, and uh, Catholics in the United States and, and abroad. So it would not surprise me in the least if uh, in the future we're doing polling again, because I think uh, this was a, a valuable lesson for us. I think it was uh, a great project to undertake. Uh, well, for me personally, I think it helped me to understand more about, it, it always astonishes me that our leaders like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden uh, express their Catholicism and yet not very good examples of those practicing their faith. And I, and I think, well, that's rare. And I think the survey and your polling data really helped me understand that I'm kind of in a closed circle when it comes to my fellow Catholics. Um, I, there's there, uh, It helped me to better understand how Catholics can hold views that are very contrary to the the teachings of the faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, we need as much data, as much information as possible. Uh, and... The more we can study where Catholics are, uh, the better we're going to be. I think so. And I take it you're um, you're sharing your your data that you found with the uh, USCCB. Oh yes. Uh, well, we're certainly uh, um, making our data available to as many Catholic institutions and organizations uh, that might benefit from all of this material. Sure. So I think uh, we're just at the cusp of uh, what we can do with uh, this amount of uh, data. Okay. Have you received any feedback from anybody about, oh, how this may have helped uh, their school or their diocese or anything like that? Uh, We have uh, had a remarkable response, certainly from the secular media. Uh, It's been mentioned in a lot of uh, secular sites, including the Washington Post, Politico, The Hill, and elsewhere. Uh, So the information is definitely out there. And I think it's also providing a perspective uh, that uh, many secular news organizations simply don't have. Interesting. Interesting. Doctor, thank you for joining us again. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh, let us know what uh, what the poll results are and uh, what you're continuing to do. We certainly appreciate it. Um, and I suppose uh, on the EWTN uh, website, uh, people can get more information if they want and get the complete uh, poll. Yes, uh, you can go to uh, EWTNnews.com. Uh, for, you can look at all four of the polls, and uh, that's a, a great aggregator site as well uh, for the attached articles that have mentioned it, as well as some of the uh, television segments that we've covered this. Very good. Thank you very much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. God bless you, and uh, God bless the work that you're doing. Absolutely. A great privilege to be with you. Uh, Let's uh, pray for the country as we head into the election. That's right. That's right. Dr. Matthew Bunsen, executive editor of EWTN News. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be right back after this. 
Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq-demoine.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by the Catholic Tuition Organization. Your support of CTO provides qualifying families tuition assistance to send their kiddos to our Catholic schools. They benefit and you benefit with 65% Iowa tax credits. Online at ctoiowa.org. Until December 15th, contributions from new donors are matched. New donors double their impact with a donation to CTO. Thanks to the Reichardt Family Foundation. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Dowling Catholic Sports is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic. With two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Craig Harper, the Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at 60th and Ashworth in West Des Moines. 515-440-4610 or online, ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at skeffingtons.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Gina, an interesting program today, both with uh, Daniel and with uh, Dr. Bunsen. Absolutely. You know I love numbers. So this polling um, conversation was uh, beyond enjoyable for me. Absolutely. I could tell. I, and the, I could see it in your <laughs> eyes as you were asking him questions. I'm such a numbers person. You may be a law person, but I am definitely a numbers person. The uh, Mathematics was not my strong I, point. <laughs> The uh, the results of the surveys also um, are fascinating in terms of helping me understand my fellow Catholic. Uh, I think we need to be a little bit more open to the that the idea that many of us were catechized in very different ways, um, and it's not just a coastal problem. It sounds like it's universal across the United States, and I hope it's a 
I hope many of our pastors understand that there's a little bit of catechesis that needs to be done, even for those who are in the pews every Sunday. A lot of catechesis that needs to be done. You know? well, and, and we've seen a lot of that, and just the political arguments over uh, Joe Biden's Catholicism, Nancy Pelosi's Catholicism, and things like that. Yeah. Sure, and, that, and that's definitely important for those who don't show up right. at church each week. But um, even for those of us who attend Mass regularly or, or even daily, there's still some work to do. Yeah. So There's a lot of work to do. Um, I, I really enjoyed that poll. And then the churches, and especially those that are in defiance of these crazy violations of their rights, um, I... I applaud them, I pray for them, and I am astonished that in America this can happen. Yeah, and and you can kind of see where it's happening and maybe why it's happening and who's doing it and who's got something to gain by it. But uh, it seems to me, um, and maybe I'm way out of line, I don't think I am, but it seems to me that there's an organized attempt here to stifle religious freedom and to stifle religious thought. Well... It- you see it in California in all kinds of cases. I mean, mm-hmm. some the you know the uh, LGBT rights over the religious person's rights have been in the courts. We've had multiple cases, uh, not just California, but other uh, states and um, jurisdictions. I think by st- having this added power to stifle, to, to show their power and might over the churches is just one another way, a convenient way for um, our leaders, or some of them anyway, to show, look, we're going to keep you in line. Mm-hmm. I thought Daniel made a good point that uh, a lot of this, he thought, might be kind of a test. See how far a- they, can, they can push that, that's the That's my churches. point, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I hope that uh, the churches that are not are, are really standing up to this test um, are an example to all of us not to let our leadership have so much authority that our rights are stifled. Well, we have a different composition of the Supreme Court now, so maybe uh, we'll see some uh, more definitive decisions coming from the, the Supreme Court. When, ultimately, these things are going to reach the Supreme well, Court. And as we talked about before the show even began this morning, it's not just the Supreme Court. We have um, the, the, President Trump and, and um, Senator McConnell have done a fabulous job of filling so many of our circuit courts with um, good and honorable judges over the course of the last four years. Yeah, and uh, they've appointed about a third of the judiciary right now, about 300 and some judges, three on the Supreme Court, and a bunch of appeals court judges and then district court judges. Uh, when we talk about uh, the court packing that has been floating around. Yeah, that's not wh- packing. Which is, is, yeah, not filling, or filling a vacancy is not <laughs> packing. What is packing is adding judges, uh, expanding the Supreme Court. The number of judges. Right, to Mm -hmm. a a certain number. Uh, This might fly under the radar a little bit, but it's something that we ought to watch for if the Democrats win. Is not necessarily packing, trying to pack the Supreme Court. That would be kind of obvious. But to expand the uh, courts of appeals, adding more judges to the courts of appeals so that cases come up to the Supreme Court differently. Because that's how the court, Supreme Court takes the case. You know, it's kind of set up in the lower courts and, uh, and the issues are defined in the lower courts. So 
um, that's something to watch out. Uh, we have an election coming up uh, next week, and I'm sure everybody yes, here knows about it. It's been in all the papers. Uh, and uh, uh, there seems to be a lot of polling, this, the uh, topic today. And the polling uh, right now seems to be going up and down. It shows things getting close. I want to ask you what you think of this shy Trump vote. Is it out there? Uh, is it going to come through like it did uh, four years ago? Got any thoughts on that? Well, you're, uh, you're the politician. In there, yeah, well, yeah. I, I do follow campaigns and elections mm-hmm. rather closely, and I can honestly say that I the 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 polling methods. Some of them have changed. I don't know so much as I I keep hearing this theory that people are not answering the questions because they don't want to be, quote unquote, canceled or identified or harassed because of their their voting preference. I think it's probably more the fact that people are more difficult to get connected to. Yeah, our communication methods are so vast and far between. That may be. So we shall see next Tuesday. All right. Well, we've got a we're being signaled. We've got to end up here. So let's uh, let's end with our prayer. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imaging Ingredients.